Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The following is a presentation of Podcast One. What the hell is Brett Favre doing here? Eric Bowling and Brett Favre on everything from politics and sports to business and culture. This year has been insane. I got some advice for y'all. Take two weeks off and quit. That man right there, number four, Brett Favre. His first NFL completion, and it's to himself. It's big time and prime time. That's why Brett Favre is Brett Favre. Now it's Bowling with Favre. All right, here we go, show 16. We have a huge, huge, huge Jet fan coming on in just a minute. Uh, Gary Vanyerchuk, wildly successful business entrepreneur, speaker, author, etc. Um, it gets into just about everything everything that's happening right now in, in business and social media and whatnot. He's, he's an awesome friend of mine for a long time, but also a huge Brett Favre fan and Jet fan. So we'll get to him in just a minute. Hey, Brett, Luke Bryan, was, we had a lot of fun with him last week. He was great. Thank you for arranging that. That was awesome. Yeah, I mean, we've so far. I think we've hit home runs with all our guests. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've had yeah. great feedback from from so many people. So good Gary, stuff. I'm sure it's good Gary stuff. Will, will and and we're it. still we're gonna we're gonna pick that. So you got to go. If you're listening right now, go to pod, you know, iTunes. Go to uh, Apple Podcasts. And rate and review. Make sure you rate and review. If you put a cool review up there, we're going to go through a bunch of them, and we're going to give that Brett Favre jersey. Let's try and give that one away next week. So I think Rob and Allie will put together a bunch of uh, of their favorites, and we'll, we'll Brett will pick the the one that gets the the jersey. We also have a box set, a Luke Bryan album box set too. You just got to go over there and rate and review the show, and we'll we'll pick one. Someone's going to get that signed. Also, Brett's jersey is going to be signed as well. Um, How's your week, man? Uneventful, I guess. Uh, weather's not cooperating. Uh, starting to get hot. Starting to get humid. Uh, but I can't complain. Hey, I'm 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 still on the good side. They're still on the right side of the grass, as they say. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> the right side of the grass. All right, let's do it. Let's let's get bring in Gary Vanderchuk. Um, again, wildly successful entrepreneur. Uh, I think you guys are going to like this one. What's better than courtside seats? Free sports on Pluto TV. Hey, sports fans, get all your sports free on Pluto TV. Pluto TV is your home for sports. Watch 24-7 channels of MLB, MLS, MMA, sports news and analysis, plus documentaries, TV shows, and movies, all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts, ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device. Okay, let's bring in a super, really cool guest. I'm just so happy to bring on Gary Vanyerchuk. Gary, we've known each other quite a long time. This guy's a motivational speaker, an internet sensation, NFTs, brand guy. Everything everything you want your life to be about, Gary has somehow made it his life and made it huge. Made it. And I think one of the first books you wrote was Crush It, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Gary? Correct, my friend. Uh, we, yes, we go way back. I, I, we go back to those days. Brother, good to have you, Brett. Thank you. Uh, Brett and I were just thrilled talking about how, how 
cool it is to have you on. What have you been up to? What's your what's your what's your passion project? Well, um, I'm just coming off of last week's launch. I launched something called V Friends. You know, I'm 45, very much a product of 80s morning cartoons or the cartoons that were made to sell us toys. So, you know, very Transformers, Thundercats, He-Man, Star Wars. So I've just always been about sports and about, in hindsight, as an adult, I've always been fascinated about intellectual property right? Disney, even wrestling, right? Vince McMahon did it with actual human beings, but you, you know, it was, you, you were, you were being sold Andre the giant. You're being sold Hulk Hogan, not Terry. Right. And so it's always hovered in my life then, you know, and then collectibles, right. You know, um, you know, I can't even tell you how many stadium club Brett Favre rookie cards I have from because that was right at the peak of where before I transitioned out of cards and went into my dad's wine business. And that's how my career started. So collectibles, intellectual property. And so this NFT thing, you know, I bought Ethereum in 2017. I kind of was intrigued by the concept when I heard about it, but then it's kind of one of those things. It's similar to VR, Brett, Eric, right now, like VR will happen. We will all, all of us will see VR. It will happen. It's maybe seven, maybe four, maybe 12 years away, but it's not 20. And people will spend lots of fucking time, you know, in a VR set. They just will. And that's how we're going to play Madden 39. You know, we're going to, it's just the way it's going to be. And, but, but it's not ready. So I'm not putting out content. I'm not starting a VR video game. I'm not investing in VR just yet. Um, but what is clearly happening is Ethereum slash NFTs are now ready for prime time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, what has happened is when I see stuff like that, just like I did with social media, just like I did with internet 1.0, I hit, I go hard when I see something I want to get in it. So in January, I was like, crap, NFTs are here. I got to get serious about this. And I started really learning, spending hours and hours, staying up to two o'clock in the morning, reading, going on discords, message boards, Twitter, just educating. You know, I was a DNF student. So a lot of people think that, you know, I hate, you know, they, they know I hate the way the school system's built for entrepreneurs. On the flip side, education's the game, right? You know, like Gary, let me jump yeah. in because so, so our audience knows and maybe I'll I'll give you a little bit of background of what we've been doing. We've been do, talking for about three months, a little more than three months. And we talked a little bit of Bitcoin. We talked Ethereum. I've been an investor in, in Bitcoin and Ethereum since 2017 as well. Um, we just started to scratch the surface of the NFT world. Brett is like superstar, super athlete with all this, um, you know, memorabilia. Yep. So how does a Brett Favre um, just take whatever he's got, this whole aura, this yeah. whole background, how, and, and become an NFT master? You're one. By, by, and for everybody who's listening, whether they're the most famous chef or, or landscaper in town or they're a Hall of Famer like Brett and everybody in between, step one, and this has been the hugest mistake in the last month, step one, try to make it valuable for them more than you. What always gets screwed up in this moment is there's this new land grab and where people default into is like, wait a minute. And they've got everybody around them. I can't imagine how many people Brett's heard of from in the last 90 days saying, and you've got to do this NFT, team up with me. You've got to, don't miss it. You know, all of a sudden the circles wagon around somebody who can launch a successful NFT. The problem is, and the reason you've seen a lot of famous current and former athletes, current 
uh, celebrities fail with their NFT launches over the last three weeks is because if you're not doing something for the person on the other side, well, then you're gonna, you're gonna be in trouble, right? And so what ended up happening is that too many people are just putting out, well, I'm gonna put out this digital piece of art with me on it, yeah. which, is, which is fine, but the reality is, let me give you an example. If I'm Brett, I'm putting out you know, a certain amount of coins, maybe, maybe because of number four, let's call it 444 for fun. And 400 of them are just a collectible, right? Just a nice little image, maybe a digital artist that Brett likes or somebody painted something that Brett liked years ago. We convert it into digital. Those are the 400. But then you got 44. Let's call the 40 that are left. Let's make them the gold version of that image. And what does that come with? Because what people don't know about NFTs is they have contracts attached to them on the Ethereum blockchain, Eric, right? So let's say for the 40 gold ones, it gives you an hour Zoom, the whole group of 40 with Brett, talking football, talking life, with it. Next, four, just four platinum ones. Those four platinum ones are a platinum version of that image. But what does that come with? Each one of those comes with a one hour throwing session background check, all that stuff with Brett mm-hmm. Favre. All of a sudden, that's wh- how I see it, Eric. And I think that's why NFTs are going to work for a lot of people. Once they realized that, hey, the things that people actually want from people is access, right? They want access. They want yeah. what they can't have. They can get a collectible. There's a trillion Brett Favre collectible items in the world between cards, toys, da, da, da. What there isn't is the ability, that's right, Brett, like, Jesus. and by the way, it doesn't have to just be throwing the football, right? Brett can show his whole life, right? One might be throwing a football, one might be a hunting fish, one might be fishing for an hour, now all of a sudden, and so dinner, whatever it might be, so yes, Brett, the contract underneath, I think, is the big variable, Eric, and that's what I would do if I was Brett. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, it's fascinating, it's a fascinating world out there, Gary. So is this- correct me if I'm wrong, Gary, it's, it's, it's only p- paid in cryptocurrency. However, Brett, once you get your payment, right, you're, you're absolutely capable of turning that into liquid. Your, mm-hmm. your ability to turn Ethereum into US dollars within an hour yeah. is very real. So yes, but unlike a lot of other you know, blockchains, if you do it on Ethereum, it is a liquid market and your ability to convert that into cash, US dollars, if one chooses to, um, is very real. Yeah. 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 We got to get, we have, we, your, 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 uh, crypto wallet just flips it right, attaches right to your bank account and it just is transfers back and forth whenever you want it, whenever you need it. It's, it's, it's really that simple. It's come. And Gary, I claim, and we've been talking about crypto on this, on the show a little bit, just, you know, not clearly, yeah, it's a sports, it. but, but, but I, I claim that it happened fast, likely because of COVID. The government was so distracted by COVID about saving people's lives that they let Bitcoin and Ethereum and the other cryptos get so big, they couldn't take it back. The genie got out of the bottle when they weren't looking, so to speak. No, listen, I'm a little bit deeper in the tech scene. I will tell you that that they've been wildly aware of it. You know, I have a little bit of a different point of view. I think that it's still small in the quote unquote scheme of things. And sovereign nations are just watching to see where the angle is for themselves. Um, I, I don't think it's as, quote unquote, detrimental to governments as, as people think. Like, I, I think this concept that, look, 
Am I concerned that 20 to 30% of all the American dollars in circulation have been printed in the last 18 months? I sure am. Am I concerned that the American dollar has been off the gold standard for since Nixon took it off? I sure am. There's a lot of mathematical non-logic. On the flip side, I don't think we're waking up next Thursday and I can't use the US dollar and I only have to use Bitcoin to buy a burger at the joint down the street. So, you know, I think people get a little bit. Yeah, my, my, my concern was that the governments were going to get pissed off because they didn't get their piece. They weren't able to control but they, but the, they cr- get their, the crypto. But, yeah, but Eric, you love this. They get their piece, right? Until these currencies are functional in society, like I have a lot of Ethereum right now, right? When I pull it out, like, first of all, all the V friends that I sold, I own ordinary tax on. So, you know, I sold $35 million, Brent and Eric, in the last week of defense. I'm paying taxes on that. Yeah. If I sit on Ethereum, Eric, for a year, yeah. it becomes an asset, right? But I'm still going to pay capital gains. Right, but they can't control, you know, they can't control the flow. Like they can, they can what they're doing is they can funnel money into the system right now to juice the, juice the economy and they can pull it back when they feel, you know, inflation is going to come. They can't do that with, with crypto. At least they as, can't. As, as, right long as, as long as we're at the mercy of converting it to the currency that they control, That's they don't really point. give a shit, right? That's a good point. That's a very good point. Brett, before I get off the podcast, I got to tell you this great story. So I am an uncomfortably big Jets fan. I have not missed a snap, a physical snap of a New York Jets game since 1982. From Richard wow. Todd to what to what Zach Wilson does against Carolina. Have seen them all. Will Richard not miss Todd. it. Don't miss it. Weddings, funerals, do not miss games. Uh, I was in India on business when it was when it, it was like 11 p.m. there, might have been 11 a.m. here, when it started to smoke a little bit that that there was a shot that you were coming to New York. <laughs> I stayed up the whole night watching the news and was on live, went on Ustream, the old live stream service at like 3.30 in the morning going bananas. I, uh, that, the win that we had when you were QBing against the Titans when they were 10 and 0 that season. Yeah. And we beat the living crap out of them. Yeah. Was the only moment, the only moment, not the 298, not the two back-to-back AFC championship games with Rex, even when we were up 17 to seven against the Colts, not when we beat the Patriots on the road, not when we went to Denver in 98 to play the Broncos. The only time in my Jets fandom did I ever say to myself, I think this team is going to go to the Super Bowl was during that game because we'd also won that Thursday night game in New England Correct. Right before that. And I, it would just felt like the timing yeah. and the momentum. Correct me if I'm wrong, because this I'm a little bit hairy on. Is that when you got banged up? Was that the game you got a little hurt on? Or was it the next game? Because then it kind of like. You know, I, I don't know the exact. Uh, and maybe it wasn't a particular play or a game. I think it was a slow. It was a slow burn. And I started feeling it. I, rem- I, I you, you bring up great memories. That was uh that. that was kind of a defining moment for us um, that we had arrived and, and the chemistry had come together. A hundred percent. But like the following week in practice is when it, I first noticed that I threw a pass that nothing hurt in my arm. But there's, I'll give you an example. You take any pro quarterback, 
close their eyes and tell them to throw it 40 yards with a little arc. They would probably do it within a, a yard, give or take. Amazing. I mean, that, that's amazing. Uh, well, I threw one that was a fade route that should have landed about 40 yards and it landed about 30. Again, no pain. And just, but it, but it, it hit you like what just happened? Well, I was like, that's weird. That's weird because I could tell you, you know, where, you know, within reason where, where the ball is going to be, how much yard, yards, how much arc. So it, during that practice, that happened a couple of times. Like I throw a, just a regular slant that I thought would be right on the money and it would be five yards behind one of my receivers. Well, then I would hand off with my right arm and I would get a real sharp pain in my neck. Mm. And, and that just continually got worse and worse to where my accuracy, I, I was afraid to throw any a pass. Yeah. Because it would hurt not all the time, but I, I, I couldn't tell you when and, and, and why, but also the accuracy. Sometimes I'd throw it and it was right where I wanted it to be, but I, I, I was very unsure and ended up, uh, ultimately, I had a torn bicep and had to have surgery at the end of the year. Yeah. And I mean, I went from playing extremely well, making really accurate throws to, as my dad would say, I couldn't <laughs> hit a ball in the ass with a bass <laughs> fiddle. Yeah, it, it, that that for Jet fans that are listening right now was, I mean, that team that went in, Eric, they the Titans were ten and zero. Yeah, they were good. They were 10 and 0. We went in there and beat the living. I mean, it was 40 to 10 or something. It was absurd. We dismantled them. We didn't win another game, or we won one more game. That's like, we we just, that was it. And that's just like, we we ended up going nine and seven, I think. Right. At that point, we were. You know what I remember? Right. You know what I remember about that season? All of a sudden, just one little more fun. I know we're going nerdy here, but. I'm sorry, podcast listeners. I got to take my shots here. No, no. Hey, this, by the way, the audience probably likes this more than the NFT conversation. So so, fair enough. So, so go. We we go on that cold streak towards the end, kind of like it fizzles out. We lost the game in Seattle. And one of my favorite Jets of all time, Sean Ellis, number 92, as he's walking off the field in Seattle, picks up like a, like a, boulder worth of snow and tries to throw it at fans booing him and to me that's just the moment that i remember but that team no. i mean like leon washington your chemistry oh, with Je- your chemistry with jericho cotchery yeah was as good as we've had uh, it was a lot of that was a lot of fun yeah i agree i agree brad you know, how about brett since we have a huge jet yeah. fan on there we've talked a little bit about it but j- just the what went through your your world, your mind, your thoughts, your 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 athlete sensibility when when you decided to sign with the Jets? What was the, What was that like? Because that it, honestly, they're, they're, it's a tough place to decide to come to. I mean, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm pretty I'm, I'm pretty sure what's his name, um, the, the Clemson quarterback is pretty thrilled he's in Jacksonville and not New York. I don't know about that. I, I, yeah, I don't I've, know about that. I, I've talked to Trev a little bit through the, you know my brother and I are in the sports representation business. Like I think he would have been. I think he would have been happy in New York. Honestly, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. You regret? Either yeah. way, uh, it is what it is. You go where you where you drafted. Yep. For the most Speak, part. By the way, I'm sorry to interrupt. And I'll let you finish, Brett. Talk about something else that's devastating. So much earlier than the story I just told is when 
I'm sitting and watching ESPN and I'm yelling at the screen that we need to take this Brett Favre kid in the second round. Uh, The Jets Jets are on the board. The Jets are coming. Yeah. And I don't remember if the Falcons, I think the Falcons traded up. Is that right, Brett? Or did they not? No, 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 you're, you're, you're very close. I think the, the Jets traded their first round pick that year the previous year, so they didn't have a first-round pick. The first, you know, what I, you know what I think they did is that the year they might have taken Rob Moore in the supplemental draft the year before. Could have, could have been yeah. because yeah. Uh, my my dear friend and who I owe a great deal of gratitude to, Ron Wolf, was yes. was uh, was on the on the line. They were going to draft him with thirty-third pick, uh, and the, the Falcons actually had three first-round picks that year, and the 32nd pick and had the Falcons not taken me with the 32nd, Ron Wolf was getting ready to I'm aware. pull the trigger. You listening to this? Listening to this? This is, we're literally one pick from taking a young Brett. Now Brett was a character. I don't know what young Brett would have done in New York in that first year. I, that's how I always make myself feel better about this incredible yeah. miss in Jeff's <laughs> history. But Wow, that was devastating because I really wanted Brett. Like, that's when I was really doing homework on the drafts. I don't want to lie here. I also got myself awfully excited about who I called Broadway Browning Nagel, who the Jets then did take when Brett went off the board. Yeah, at the time, Gary, that was, uh, you, you know, a very good pick. You never know. It's always a toss-up, and I I don't know what happened with Browning if injuries or um, just lack of production or whatever. But what's crazy about Browning was his first game was against the Falcons as a pro, and he lit them up like a Christmas tree. And I thought we've had our guy. Literally ended up being his best game of his career. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you one of my uh, an interesting stat. You know, I, when I left the game, I had just about every passing record, good and bad. And, yep. uh, and uh, one one personal record that I, I find very interesting, I, only once in 321 games that I throw six touchdowns. Only once. Guess who I was playing with? The Jets. The Jets. Yep. We beat the Arizona Cardinals in uh-huh. New York. I had five at halftime. Um. But I, I, you know, I find that to be interesting. Guys do it all the time now. Actually, um, uh, I actually got to go see you in Lambeau because the Jets opened the season in 2000 in think, Lambeau. Yeah, we laid an egg in that one. They did. It was still one of my favorite days ever to go there and you and and win that game. What I but what I remember from that game is. We go in, Eric, we go into Lambeau. We win the opening game of the season. Packers should have absolutely beaten us by everyone's feelings going into that game. We win. Those fans were so nice. (laughs) I will never forget that. They were like, congratulations, this and that. I was like, we are definitely not in New York anymore. (laughs) You got that right. Incredible fan base. Well, it had to be culture shock, right? Right. Going from. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, to a certain extent, I was. But you were a man at that point, right, Brett? Yeah, I mean, I was sheltered. Difference. I was sheltered in Green Bay. You know, I mean, I I was in year seventeen when I went to New York. So, yeah, 
you know, there's a lot more media. There's no question about it. But, uh, it's, you know, I was fairly numb to that. I mean, I, I had fun with the media. Um, it, 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 to me, when I yeah. left, it was more and went to New York. It was more it was all about just playing. You know, how, Brad, how much how much motivation? You know, I'm incredibly motivated. I'm very competitive, like uncomfortably. And I've, as I've gotten older, I've understood how to go from. I mean, the seven to 12 year old, Eric, this is just a good macro conversation for the audience. Like, uh, you know, I think competition, competitiveness is incredibly misunderstood in society and needs to be recalibrated. I think it's an incredibly powerful, good, good force. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's become uh, it's it's become an, almost an evil now. Right. Yeah, I think it's a patient trophy. Yeah, everyone's yeah. got to be equal. No one can excel. Yeah. And, and, and luckily, by the way, I pay attention to this stuff this is what I do for a living. It's starting to swing a little bit back. The other way, yeah. including the places that it's most liberal, you're seeing people swing back to like, let's get out of this. This is not healthy. But, you know, I'm just genuinely curious, Brett, like for, you know, with that much accomplishment under your belt. Was it fun to to have a chip on your shoulder? Like, did oh, you, like, like, like that must have been super enjoyable, right? Yeah. You, you know, uh, it, it, the dynamics of leaving Green Bay from the time that I went and reported to Green Bay and then the next day was traded to the Jets to fast forward to being acquired, being cut or released by the Jets prior to the draft and then being picked up by Minnesota. A lot happened in a short amount of time. And, you know, I'm 40 years old. Part of me had lost a little bit of the fight, but another part of me had gained twice as much competitive motivation. Totally get it. You know, yeah, being doubted is like delicious. Well, you know, and I, I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show. You know, one of the things uh, that in my conversations with Packers right before I left the day, the, the day prior to being traded was one of the comments I made was, uh, so I'm not good enough to play for you, but too good to play against you. And, and I say that because they were not going to trade me within the division. That makes sense. It, it, well, it, it does. Um, and they were not, they really were not going to trade me within the conference. Because that, they, I, By the way, that also made sense. Like yeah. I, I remember was Tampa, the other rumored Tampa, place. Yeah. yeah. I remember being confident as hell. We were going to get you because as an outside fan, it was very clear what you just said was happening, which was they knew they were in a pickle. I'm like, we're going to get them. They're not going to want to send them to like the bucks. That's too much within the same ecosystem. They don't need that. They don't need the NFC wild card game or championship game to be head to head. I mean, that, uh, that, that was actually the thing I had the most confidence about. Yeah. You know, so, and, and Mike Tannenbaum, for those who remember Mike, he was awesome. He did everything he possibly could do to assemble a cast to win now. And to oh, me, I love that. Me, too. I love Mike. Yeah. Mike, Mike is awesome. Mike's a good friend of mine. Yeah. And he, and he was incredibly good at, I mean, the Cromarty trade, Thomas Jones, one that for, will always be forgotten because he got hurt the second year into it, but he stole Chris Jenkins. Like he got, yeah. you know, he, he, he did great work really besides Doug Jolly, every single veteran thing he did was worked. productive. That's right. 
Yeah, I, I agree. You know, not to, not to mention Jericho Cotri, Kerry Rhodes, Leon Washington, Brad Smith. When you're drafting those kind of guys in the fourth and fifth round, you're going to build that, that. I mean, that's that's how the Jets got good. Yeah, I mean, we, and we had a shot. You know, I mean, oh, we had a real. I mean, they, that, that year is devastating to me. You know, and I say this all the time, and I've said it on the show more than once. You know, in, in sports, assembling the right cast is like. The, you know, the, the Cajun chef in New Orleans who makes the gumbo, you know, there's a lot of ingredients. You know, you don't necessarily know which one's going to work with which. And um, when you get it right, it's the best, best dish ever. So um, he had assembled, you know, that's the thing about Tampa. Obviously, Tom Brady was, was uh, very important to that piece of the puzzle, but also, you know, of all his years, statistically, he was just okay. But everyone around him, and I think everyone knew this, that bringing in Tom or a player of his caliber elevates everyone else. Mm -hmm. Maybe a guy has got terrible practice habits. But with Tom, he's not going to do that, right? 100%. Maybe a guy is terrible in the meeting room, doesn't pay attention in film. Tom's going to make sure. Leadership. Yeah, I mean... It's leadership. It's leadership. It's so obvious. It's more about that in Tom's case or or in a situation like mine than the actual play itself, even though that's important. I know people may... I get it. No, that's... But, Brett, anybody in business who's listening right now, you know that. You have managers, salespeople who might be the best performers. Like, Eric, one of the biggest things I talk about when I do entrepreneur stuff is like, I'm like, look, if you let your leading salesperson, the person that brings you the most money, if they're a, a terrible person and makes everybody else feel like crap, you cut yeah. that player immediately. Nobody does that in business because it, it's like so instantaneous. Crap, we can't fire Ricky. You know, he's a third of our revenue. What they don't realize is everybody else is completely underperforming because of that person. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely, absolutely 100% right. I think business and sports are so... Hey, Brett, can I wish did I see this right the other day? If if this whole Aaron thing works out the way it does and he doesn't come back, is it true that you, Bart, and Aaron would end up all playing 16 seasons in Green Bay? You know, I didn't even I didn't I didn't hear that statistic, but I, you know That's wild. I think you're right. Why hey Brett, Brett, tell tell Gary about your uh NFT possibility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so when I had my my uh, jersey retired. It was a Thursday night game. It was right around Thanksgiving. It was kind of rainy, slushy, sleeting. <laughs> and it was it was scheduled the previous year. And I was not going to do it unless I could have Bart come with me. Mm. And the only reason I, I, you know, it was to honor me, but I, Bart meant a lot to my career. He and I had a close relationship. He sent me letters after every game. We, we had phone conversations. Wow. Wow. And he was obviously declining in health. And so the previous year, he actually was not able to make it right. We had to pull the trigger like the week before and say, let's do it next year. Wow. So the next year, Bart is able to do it. And uh, so we decided to take a picture in the uh, uh, the atrium right before the game. Aaron had uh, got to the stadium a couple hours before the game. I've we seen the photo. I've seen the you know, photo. We it's all amazing. put our jerseys on, and, yeah. and it was a it was a special moment. Well, 
we each got the, a, a, a big picture. I mean, it's huge uh, of the three of us. Well, I, I was smart enough to know when the Packers said, all right, your picture's ready, it's framed up. I said, send it to Birmingham. <laughs> I want Bart to sign it. So, oh. so Aaron signed it first while I was still at the stadium. They sent it to Birmingham. And um, it, honestly, it probably took a year and a half for Bart to sign it. And they would uh, – his assistant would apologize. And I said, Hey, whatever he can. So he ends up signing it. I signed it. I have the only one copy in the world of us three together, but signed. It's incredible. So that's the Holy grail for Packers nation and many football. Remember people. And then this NFT thing comes up. Not that I would ever sell the original, but I mentioned it to, to Eric. I mentioned it to, to cool. Tom Brady, in fact. Uh, oh, for know, his, the, the autograph thing that they're doing? Yeah. And everyone is like, man, that's got to be worth something huge. Uh, so, so, so glad you guys have that. That's, that's really nice. Yeah. Now, I tried to get Aaron. I said, Aaron, send yours to Birmingham. And he says, I will. Wait. He dropped the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so I got the only one, which I'm glad he dropped the ball. One of one is better than one of two, Brett. Yeah, yeah. that's right. For sure. Yeah. yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, I know we want to talk sports. We can do that. Gary, did, did I read that you're, you're one of the co-founders of, of Resi, the reservation system? I sure am. That company was started at VaynerMedia. Ben Leventhal was a good friend of mine in the New York tech scene. I started a fund just as he had left his job, and we, over dinner, basically invented Resi and uh, and him and Mike Montero, the CTO and myself and Matt Higgins, we went on to build a really, really large business and sold it for a very substantial exit to American Express uh, a couple oh, years okay. ago. Okay. So you, yeah, so you're out of it. You sold it out. That's mm-hmm. fantastic, man. You, Gary, do you remember, it's gotta be 15 years ago when we were doing that internet show at Fox. Of course. And you just had it, man. You just saw the, you saw the play. You you saw the playing field the way Brett Favre saw the saw the defense. You know uh, that that makes me think about several businesses that have been started. You know, in, in this age, and I don't know if you're familiar with the company Cameo. Of course. You know, Stephen Galanis and Martin Blanco uh, are, are good friends, uh, and I remember being approached about Cameo, and when they explained it to me, I thought to myself. Why didn't I think of that? You know, <laughs> you know, it's like the simplest, the most simple, uh, productive thing that, you know, and, and now they valued it a uh, billion dollars. You, you know, it's how something so simple can be overlooked by so many people. There's got to, you know, I'm sure you're always brainstorming, like, what's the, what's, what's the next greatest thing that, that, uh, will hit the market. That and, and Brett, to use sports terms, that becomes the week of game planning. And then Eric, to your point, because I love sports so much, I've always made these parallels. I'm in the point of my career. This is why this NFT thing was such a big hit for me. You know, Brett, I'm sure when you came to the NFL, Brett, I'm right about this, right? Your first career pass was a pick, right? Yeah, it doesn't count because it was playoffs, but yes, but it was a uh, touchdown. <laughs> so, so 
Yeah, by the way, you know, I, I adore Sam Darnold and genuinely hope he does, especially because he's in Carolina, it makes it easier. It's the NFC. Um, I, uh, I'm also on the, on the board of Bojangles. So, uh, you know, I've got a little bit of love for the Carolinas that way. But, like, um, he, his first career pass, which did count, to your point, um, uh, was an interception touch, a pick six. I was in Detroit for it. It worked and, out good for me, so he's got. I know that's that's that that was kind of why I knew that stat because I kept holding on to it. But I'm sure, Brett, as like your career, all those reps, the game. You know, all, Eric, you know this. Athletes always talk about the game slowing down, and that's where I'm at in the prime of my yeah. business career. When I tell you that everything around me feels slow, it's the only analogy I know. Yeah. It's I only I almost legitimately feel like I can only talk to Hall of Fame athletes of like, you know, and some of these guys have came out the gate. Some of the greatest players of all time, truly rookie years were great years. But yeah. but it's still going to be different than year four, because now you're fully calibrating the whole damn thing. And that's, kind of, you know, my rookie stuff in business was super successful. But I'm in the point now. And one of the great things about being an entrepreneur in comparison to an athlete is I'm 45 and I feel like maybe I'm just maybe going into the kind of prime of my career. Maybe next year will be the beginning of this 10 year prime window, which, you know, I've, I've learned to have incredible empathy, you know, as I've been fortunate enough in my life to now have great relationships with a lot of all time athletes. What a brain twist to be, a 36, a 34, a 32, a 40 year old man and kind of be done with the thing that you've been, th- you know, I've been thinking about businessman since I was six. So I associate like the thought now that, that my body, I guess in my version, my brain starts doing things that don't allow me to be good at what I do. That's a very, that, that's why so many athletes really struggle with the transition. It's why I love that entrepreneurship has gained a lot of momentum in our society because I see a lot of athletes, not to the exact same degree for most of them, but many of them get a little bit of that adrenaline, a little bit of that competition, some of those nuances that they were able to get playing. Uh, well, well, so- Brett, Brett, can you find that? Can you find the adrenaline? Can you find that rush uh, outside yeah, of the, the playing field? You know, Tom and I, we talked, actually we talked uh, at the Miami Super Bowl, Tom Brady and I, uh, we had a great conversation. He was still with the Patriots. And it was, uh, you have to think back. I mean, this was two years ago, and they they were honoring the top 100 players and coaches of all time. Right, right before the game. So Tom and I, we were we were down with all the other quarterbacks. It was really a great moment. We had a, just a brief moment, and he said, hey, if you had it to do all over again, would you do it again the same way, talking about leaving? And I said, absolutely. And he said, Good. That's that's good to know. I said, "Am I going to see you playing somewhere else?" He goes, "I don't know. Maybe." Uh, well, fast forward. You know, he signs with with the uh, Bucks, and I sent him a text. I said, "Hey, go get him, brother." And he said, "I'm. I, I feel like a kid again." You know, mm-hmm. this. Not that New England didn't want him. Not that he felt unloved in New England, because that's not the case. Uh, I mean. It, it was a sometimes it was, things it run their course. Scenery. It was, it, yeah. you know, and there's this. Brett, did you did you have a chance to did anybody did you have a chance? I don't know what your Minnesota situation was after. Did did how close were you to playing another season? I guess is the question I would ask. 
Um, not very. You not were, very. you were, you, re- you really, that's, that's nice. That makes me happy to hear that for you. You really, really knew at the end of that, that you really just truly felt it. That was it. Uh, there was no question. Physically is where I was, you know, my first year in Minnesota, I played two years in Minnesota. Yeah, no. Statistically speaking in 20 years, the best one get one season was that first year with Minnesota. I know. I, was, I, know. I, was I, 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 I was still, I was still a little salty because, you know, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, got, I had the surgery. I felt yep. great physically. I, I hardly got touched. I was handing off to Adrian. At the, at the machine was working correctly. And so I go to the second year and I get the, just the crap beat out of me. Every hit was like the, the worst hit I've ever taken for whatever reason. Yeah, just so, like that. Um, I had to get five shots. Um, I, I don't know the exact name of, uh, but I, I had a bad ankle. I had two bad ankles, but I had a bad ankle, one worse than the other. And so they gave me these shots every, it's a five week uh, deal. Every week, I, a needle about this long, all the way into my ankle socket that would inject collagen more or less for lubrication and for protection. And it was the worst I mean, they had to hold me down for the last shot. And, you know, and I, there was more to it, but I mean, it was just physically you going just to the bathroom at night. I felt like I was walking on the eggshells. Yeah. And I said, I've had, I've finally, I, I said, <laughs> I've had enough. You know, prior to that, guys would hit me, I'd slap them on the butt and say, Yeah, hey, I remember. I thought you hit harder than that, man. <laughs> I know how you did it. I know how you this, played. This last year, I was like, that one stung. <laughs> so I knew. I knew. Hey, Brett, I, I'm enjoying this. I got, I got to run on something. Yep. Anything, any last thoughts here? No, I think you, you're great, Gary. We'd oh, love to get you back on. Yeah, uh, you I, know. I, I love to visit with you. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Brett. We'll definitely do that. We I appreciate you guys. Continued success. We'll talk soon. Hey guys, are you looking for a podcast that tickles your funny bone and feeds your brain? Recently, we've been binging on the Tennis Podcast, the comedy podcast, breaking down a new top 10 list every Wednesday. Host Nick and Brandon educate and entertain as they dive into lists covering topics like the highest grossing films, the deadliest animals, most popular sports best-selling video games, greatest albums, and much more. Yeah, so all you have to do is subscribe to the Tennis Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any other podcast platform, or visit them at TennisPod.com. That's 10ISHPOD.com. Go there. Well, I told you, Brett, he's a huge Jet fan, Brett Favre fan, and, and man knows a lot about social media, NFTs, and cryptocurrency as well. Sounds like he knows a lot about just about everything. Um, I was, I was very impressed with Gary. Uh, very sharp, just, just a regular guy, yep. regular, uh, regular jets fan guy. Those jets fans are, they're like no other. You know, I spent 35 years in New York and, and, and the funny thing is the jets and the giants play out of the same stadium. They couldn't be, they couldn't be any more different though. Those fans. It's like, you know, the, the jets fans are kind of like, I don't know. Being in the country, I, I've I've witnessed this, but you stumble upon a hornet's nest. <laughs> you, you, if you just happen to take the wrong turn and end up at, at a Jets game, you stumble into a hornet's nest. Literally the same the same facility, right? Same stadium, 
and the 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 the, uh, the tailgating are is wildly different. It's just a completely different animal. It's jets. It's crazy. It's loud. Uh, the Giants were like a little bit more reserved, like, you know, the business guys and their families are out there doing burgers and the Jets guys just like pounding beer and and, you know, stuff flying. Footballs are flying, blasting out fucking barbecues, get smashed. It's completely different. And 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 I'm telling you, you could smell you could smell the weed inside that stadium anytime there was a jet, Jets game going on. Giants, not so much. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's outdoor stadium. All right, brother. Well, listen, great week. Uh, good talking. And, and I'm dying to find out, you know, what, what kind of NFTs Brett Favre is going to, is going to get out on the market. We'll, we'll definitely talk about that soon. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right, brother. Good talking to you again. Rate and review the show on Apple podcasts. It's a little purple thing on your Apple, uh, right on your, on your home screen. It's already there. Uh, thanks everybody. And see, see everyone next week. Coming real, it's the next episode. What about Brett Favre? Follow the show on Twitter for the latest news and links to all our social media channels. Bowling with Favre is executive produced by Ali Brito and Rob Jenners. This has been a presentation of Live by Live's Podcast One.